Thank you for tuning in. We'll get to your program right after this short word from our sponsor. Balance Virtually provides full-service financial planning services for small businesses, nonprofits, and startups. We can help you manage your monthly reporting, bank and credit card reconciliations, budget and forecasting, payroll services, and much more. To schedule a consultation with a certified public accountant with over 16 years of experience helping people like you, visit balancevirtually.com. Balance Virtually, your locally owned full-service financial planning service company. Welcome to the Veronica Edwards Show, where we have fun financial conversations that everyone listening can apply to their personal and professional life. I'm your host, Veronica Edwards, and I'm excited as always to be back another week here, season two on bizradio.us. As always, I want to thank all the listeners. We are right on the brink of 1,500 downloads for the podcast, so I'm very excited. Thank you for supporting as always, and this is the last show of 2022, so I'm excited that this show is our monthly CPA chat. So, Michelle, Welcome, welcome, welcome. Well, thank you. It's exciting. Yes, and I always want to plug that my partner in crime, Ms. Um, Michelle Trotz, owner of Michelle Trotz CPA CFE PLLC, celebrated 10 years of her amazing business. And you can mm-hmm. check out, yes, the services that she offers at Michelle Trotz TR. ACZCPA.com. So thank you for making the time. I know you're a very busy young lady. Oh, you're so sweet. Yes, thank you so much. This is this is such an awesome show that you do because I we've talked about it before. I really feel like we have a little friendly chat, just you and I, but there are tons of people out there I know that ask us these kinds of questions on a regular basis. And I just hope that we're providing people with some really good, strong you know, advice and, and you know, that we have this conversation helps them. Absolutely. And being that it's the end of 2022, we always get questions about now people are needing their books <laughs> reviewed that they might not have done for the whole year. They're asking tax questions. So we thought it would be great to discuss today all the different types of CPAs because we are all not the same. I tell people all the time, <laughs> just because you're a doctor doesn't mean you can deliver babies, you know? <laughs> so we're not all the same. I, and I'm, I don't know about you, Michelle, it's always assumed that we're tax accountants. It, it's true. It, it's very true, actually. And, and mostly this time of year, like you said. I love your analogy of the doctor because it's so funny. I actually use the attorney analogy, um, oh. you know, where if you have, you know, if you're going through a divorce, you don't necessarily want your bankruptcy attorney helping you, you know, like they're diff- they have uh-huh. different specialties. Um, but I think I might start using the doctor analogy. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because I have friends that are like PhDs and they're like, well, I'm not like an MD. And I had to correct myself with that too. And I'm like, oh yeah, that is yeah. true. There are different levels there. So that's what we want to talk about today. So Michelle, can you just start us off with, well, what's a CPA in general? And then we'll talk about what's the top five different types of CPAs that small business owners and corporations use on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, no, that's that's great. It's a good baseline, right? We have to sort of set the baseline for everybody. So what is a CPA? We use those initials, those letters a lot. It stands for Certified Public Accountant. And what that means is in order to become a certified public accountant, 
traditionally up through today, of course, as I speak, what you need to do is pass a uniform CPA examination, which is very challenging. (laughs) All of us who are CPAs, yeah, are like, I'm never doing that again. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Michelle, if you don't mind sharing, it took me 18 months to pass the CPA. But when I took it, you could take a section at a time. So I would take a section, fail it by three points, retake it, pass it, take a section, fail it by a point. Like I never bombed it, but then I would have to go back. But I believe you were taking the CPA when you had to take it all at once over like a day or two, right? That's, that's correct. So, you know, correct. You know, even though it's a uniform CPA examination, it's different state by state. So where I took the exam and I was originally certified in the state of Massachusetts at that time, and I won't say how long ago that was, but at that time, <laughs> uh, we did, we had to sit for the entire exam at once. So you couldn't take section by section. Um, and you had to take all the sections that you did not pass. So, and then passing, of course, I think this is standard passing is that you have to reach a certain, you know, score in order for that section to pass, but all the other sections that you don't pass, you have to reach a certain score too. So if you don't make those magic combinations, you do have to take the whole thing over again. So, you know, and I, I have a team member who just recently started sitting for the CPA exam, which I'm super proud of her for doing. Um, But it's, it's really, it's really challenging. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not an easy exam right now. It is in four different sections. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's a very broad scope exam of your skills. And, and, you know, each state, like I said, has different requirements here in the state of North Carolina, there's 150 hour requirements. That generally means most people sitting for the exam will have a bachelor's degree in accounting or a master's degree in accounting of some sort. When I took the exam in Massachusetts, for example, they did not have that requirement. So truth be told, I do not have an accounting degree. So I have an economics degree, but I was able to sit for the exam and and it took me a few years to get through it. And, you know, when you have to sit for the whole thing at once um, and not Mm -hmm. have an accounting degree. But once you do that, even just passing the exam isn't the end all be all. You still have to Mm -hmm. work under the guidance or under the supervision of a CPA for up to three years. Then Mm -hmm. you apply for certification. So it's a process. When I sat for the CPA in South Carolina, another requirement was getting three other CPAs to be character referrals for you, because a great thing about being a CPA, it's required to have ethics. You know, um, what do we call it? CPEs, continuing education. So that's a big part of being an attorney, a doctor, an accountant is we have to be ethical. Like we have, we're looking at personal information, corporate information, especially when I was graduating in 04, it was the big Enron scandal and Arthur Anderson, Google that for those that are listening, but it was a big big accounting scandal that we don't like to talk a lot of CPAs, but it really kind of unveiled that, hey, we got to make sure that we're on the up and up when it comes to ethics. And I don't know if that, that was added after um, 2004, mm-hmm. when I sat for the exam and they changed the exam to be by sections, but I like that they added that, like, you just can't become a CPA by passing the test. You right. have to have a lot of other qualifications, which does 
kind of set us apart from your standard bookkeeper or accountant that might only have an associate's or just experience. Right. And it's actually part of the continuing professional education requirements. You have to sit, uh, take ethics uh, for a certain number of, of continuing professional education units every year. Um, so it's it, you're right. And I think that's a good point to make is that it's pretty it's pretty regimented and it's uh, regulated mm-hmm. uh, very strongly. And, and there's and it's a lot of hours that you do have to to, to get each year of continuing education. So um, so it's, it's, it's no joke, but it is a wonderful certification. Again, to be a CPA, um, it carries with it, those three letters, just such trust and confidence in what we do and say. And so we are super proud, I know when I speak for you in this way, um, to, to be a CPA. Absolutely. I feel like we're part of an elite, you know, fraternity and especially with me being a African-American female, less than 5% of CPAs are of color. So I definitely um, am honored that I didn't give up and I'm, I'm definitely wanting in the future, that would be my legacy. If I could try to get more minorities and women in the CPA field, and it starts in really to me like in elementary school, middle school, you know, already yeah. starting that foundation of accounting classes that's something that I would really love to do. But let's jump in, Michelle, to these five different types of CPAs. So we definitely have the most popular, your tax CPAs. Then folks like us, you have your management and consultant CPAs. You have investment CPAs, auditors, and forensic CPA. So Michelle, how about you start us off with the most popular one, as everyone likes to call us. I just got a text today from a family member. Can you help me with some taxes? I'm not a tax CPA. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, again, it's a specialty. So, um, you know, so I will refer my clients to other folks in town um, who are CPAs, but they specialize in tax. And that means that generally you go to them to get your uh, tax preparation services, and that would be your federal and state um, income tax returns, either personal or for your business. But it's not just filling out the paper. You know, there's a lot of schedules that are attached to the, the tax return. So there's a lot of things that they have to stay on top of. They will file for you. They organize and retain all those documents for you in a, in a really good manner. Um, and we're also very grateful too. They will stay on top of shareholder basis if you're a shareholder in a business. So they do a lot of things. And I also stress to my clients that a tax preparer is really, really valuable in tax guidance, tax planning, tax advising. So doing some projections for you and they will advise you also on decisions. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting. I explained to clients this, you know, when a tax accountant looks at your business, they look through a tax lens, whereas I will look through a business lens, say, for example, Mm -hmm. the tax lens is really important. They have to stay on top of all of those ever-changing federal and state rules, laws, regulations governing income taxes and tax uh, reporting. And so it, it, it does require somebody who's going to be very knowledgeable in that area. And, and just like you said, like a doctor, we have we go to specialists. If you know, if you have uh, skin issues, you're going to go to a dermatologist. If you, um, you know, if you have heart issues, you're going to go to cardiologist. Well, it's a specialist in the CPA accounting profession. And, and that's what we really love our tax accountants, you know, to do and to be. 
And I feel like a, a good tax accountant, I feel like that's you have to have as a business owner, someone that's helping you throughout the year with tax planning, mm-hmm. that is guiding you, like you said, with these ever-changing laws. We're not keeping up with sales tax and you know payroll taxes. There's so many more taxes other than income tax. So to your point, that's when it's time to go to a specialist because even um, Michelle and I being CPAs, we know a little bit to be dangerous in all <laughs> these fields. <laughs> but you don't want us advising you on it because we're not keeping up with all the day-to-day changes or year yeah, changes. Exactly. And that's what I tell clients. You know, you you really want that tax planning and advising. You know, for example, I know a few people I don't think realize, but you know, there's a special depreciation, accelerated depreciation deduction that you can get on your business income tax return. Um, and that we refer to in the industry as section 179. Well, that mm-hmm. is going to start to go away. So uh so a lot of times what what folks and businesses will do is they'll be, oh, well, I'm going to buy a brand new piece of equipment in December. I'm going to get the Section 179 depreciation on it. It's going to help reduce my tax consequences. And that is true, um, except that now this year is the last year for the full Section 179. It will start to go uh, gradually decrease. But those are some of the things that we ask our tax planners, our tax advisors, our tax accountants to help us understand and work with us on. Is this the right time to do that kind of purchase? Should we take advantage of that deduction or not? Absolutely. And so our next type of CPA is management and consultant. And this is what me and Michelle does on a day-to-day basis. A management and consultant accountant helps companies budget and perform better by identifying, measuring, analyzing, and interpreting information to the managers so that they can better understand their cash flow their budgets, their profit and loss statement, their balance sheet, things that we've talked about in prior shows, because a lot of times, again, your day-to-day manager doesn't have that expertise in that, but we can help guide them in that area. And again, that type of CPA um, typically can be in the form of a cost accountant or a staff accountant at a, a regular public company, Or Michelle and myself, we could be advising folks. You know, we can have also some bookkeepers from time to time, industrial accountants. So sky's the limit when you kind of get under this management and consulting accountants. Michelle, is there anything you wanted to add on that? Oh, no, I appreciate it. It's um, it, you're exactly correct. And sometimes we're even, you know, referred to as controllers or CFOs, um, mm-hmm. all different types of names and roles that we may play. But you're exactly right. Um, and then sometimes, you know, we even do a little bit of the tax work, maybe some 1099s, maybe some sales mm-hmm. tax, maybe some payroll. But it's the income tax side of things that is is really the most important to use a tax preparer for. So so, again, we do like to look at it as um we're providing assistance and we will help you by selecting a tax preparer who may also be another CPA. And you have a couple of, of, you have a full stocked bench. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So yeah, we are definitely, I like to tell people we're your advisors, you know, we're here to guide you. It's your business, but we want to help you with those financial decisions. So what about our third um, CPA investment CPAs, Michelle, tell us a little bit about that. That's something that we really don't talk about a lot. 
Yeah, and it's it's kind of newish, right? Because CPAs in general, up until recently, didn't really get involved in this arena very much. Um, but investment accountants are really those types of accountants that will really work with you on your investment strategy, for example. Um, they really need to have a strong understanding, knowledge, education about all the rules and regulations uh, regarding investments and investment brokerage and those kinds of things. And, and it's it's cumbersome. So it's, it's a special again, just like tax preparation. But that's really what that means is someone who's going to work with you on those investment assets, the, the you know controlling of them, monitoring them, helping you to financially plan around all of the those assets and what is the best investment advice. Yeah. And I want to say, am I making this up? But isn't it like a certified financial planner is usually what people in that field do or I also heard merging lately CMAs, certified <laughs> management accountants? Yeah, I mean, you can have all these different certifications um, and also be a CPA. Um, exactly. It's just that CPAs in general, you know, sort of in the past stayed away from the certified yeah. financial planning arena, but now there's sort of some crossover. Absolutely. And one of my favorites, because my first job out of college, um, <laughs> the next EPA category is auditors. So my first um, job, I was blessed to work with one of the four largest accounting firms. I'm sure, Michelle, I feel like it, it was the big four now, but I think at one point it was like eight. And then oh, you start yeah. getting smaller and then you got smaller. But it was such an amazing experience because as an auditor, you're that person that can come in internally or externally. And you're just ensuring the accuracy of the financials, making sure everything is in compliance with tax laws, regulations and, you know, any mm -hmm. other applicable accounting standards. So I was an external auditor. So PricewaterhouseCoopers say we would go to a Walmart, you know, if they were a client and we would come in and we would review their books and we would give them a clean bill of health if everything that we reviewed was right. So I always did um, external auditing for publicly traded companies, but also the flip is you can have internal auditors. So if by chance Walmart, if we're using as an example, they have employees within their company that on an ongoing basis, they're making sure internally that they're staying in line with all the accuracy with the financial. So typically a lot of people that leave external go to internal auditing. I didn't go that route. I thought it was a great experience, um, but you definitely as an auditor, you're not always the most liked. <laughs> and with my personality, I was like, I'm going to do this for like two or three years. But I just didn't like that feeling almost, you know, people get nervous when you say the auditors are coming in, even though we're just there to, to show them like, hey, we know you're doing everything right. We just have to prove it out. Don't take it personally. So I would love to hear, Michelle, maybe any experiences that you've had with internal or external auditing. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly correct. I mean, the auditors, I always say, walk in with the black hat, so to speak. Um, and, and they are feared. And it's so hysterical. Back in the day, we used to get the smallest desk in the smallest office. I think yes. I think your clients thought if they squeezed us into a corner that we would leave sooner. But it's, you know, it is really, it's necessary. In some cases, it's important. Um, and I think it's it's a good fraud prevention mechanism too. You have not that auditors are required or necessarily supposed to uncover fraud in any way, shape or form, but it is um, a good way to kind of keep everything on the up as well. And that's 
generally how most of us will get those one to three years of experience under the tutelage or supervision of a CPA to, to become certified. But I then moved on to internal auditing for a few years and divisions or a specific issue as opposed to a financial statement audit, so to speak. Exactly. And I did find that there was a lot more respect for the internal auditors because that's a buy in with management. We know we need you guys. We appreciate you guys. Um, So definitely I had fond memories, but I I would say I don't miss being an auditor. So, Michelle, our last CPA, which actually was, I took a forensic accounting class in my master's, and if I would have known about it, I probably would have went down that path. But tell us about what forensic CPAs do. Yeah, it's it is really cool. I I feel like if I had to go back to school as well, I would probably focus on that area also. Um, I I am actually a certified fraud examiner, uh, not necessarily a forensic accountant. They are slightly different, but both will do exactly what you think they would do, and that is investigate through the financials to with the purpose of uncovering any fraud if there is any fraud or any wrongdoing involved. A lot of times these things get get called into play when there's a divorce situation happening or mm-hmm. sale of a business or some trady, you know, shady, you know, partner trading deals going on or something like that. But but sometimes as we know, fraud happens, it happens a lot um unfortunately. And so, you know, I'll get a call, someone says, you know, I think that there's some fraud going on and basically what a forensic accountant or a fraud examiner will do is kind of, you know, start start to peel away all the layers to find out exactly what happened, how much may have been stolen in what capacity or way. And then, and most importantly, it's their intention to then be an eyewitness. So you have to go to court and be an expert witness on what you uncovered and what it what that meant in terms of the organization and any losses. So it's it's a really interesting arena for sure. It's super cool. I know my instructor in my master's program he was doing more like undercover investigating. So he said he would use his students, say if there was some type of skimming of cash at a restaurant, you know, or a bar or something, they would have the students go undercover and work there, you know, and get the evidence. And I was like, man, this is so cool. And then I learned (laughs) more about, you know, like the divorce. And sometimes it's, it's not as sexy, but you know, it is necessary and it's just a cool thing. I, I I just love that. It's a mix of like business law accounting, you know, it's just detective work, you know, so it's definitely, I feel like kind of a newer CPA category. Would you agree, Michelle? I don't feel like I heard much about this 20, 30 years ago, but definitely in the last 10 or 15 years. Correct. It's it's new-ish, although it's been going on for a long time, but, but it has become more in demand, which is kind of sad. I know. I know it. Well, that rounds out our top five CPAs. There are others I wanted to throw in government, but I was like, you know, and I'm sure there's a whole other slew of CPAs. But to me, those were the top five that you definitely or I have run across the most um, now that I have been a CPA now. Oof. I think I've only been a CPA, Michelle, eight years. I think I'm eight years old. Wow. I know, I know. And I will tell people all the time, it's my biggest accomplishment is not having my child naturally. (laughs) It's not being married. It's not having a business. It's passing that CPA exam. So I tell people it doesn't matter if I'm 80 years old, I'm going to do those 30 hours of continuing education every year. So I don't lose my (laughs) license because it was so hard to obtain. So again, Michelle, thank you so much. Another year 
being on the show. You know, the season isn't over yet, um, but we definitely are wrapping up 2022. I can't believe that. Next time we'll be chatting, it'll be 2023. So I just want to thank you again, and I'll continue sending business your way. So please, if you don't mind, just plug your business again before we wrap up. Oh, for sure. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for the referrals. Again, as you mentioned earlier, it's www.michelletrotzcpa and it's T-R-A-C-Z-C-P-A.com. And we do exactly as we just talked about. We are the local contract controller, contract CFO, uh, providing business accounting and consulting services. Happy to help for-profit and not-for-profit business organizations. And I always like to add, Michelle has an all-woman staff. Allegedly, it's not intentional, but I love it. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to thank the listeners for tuning in to bizradio.us. Please come back next week, same time, same place, 10 a.m. on Wednesdays for the Veronica Edwards Show. And if you missed the live airing, please listen to all shows at veronicaedwards.buzzsprout.com. See you next year, Michelle. See you later. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to visit bizradio.us to find hundreds of other engaging conversations, local events, and more.